You're listening to Music Tectonics. Welcome back to Music Tectonics, the podcast that explores the lively places and spaces where music and tech bang up against each other and shift the landscape. I'm your host for today, Trister Neuer Jaeger, strategist at Rock, Paper, Scissors, the music tech PR firm. Now, there's been a ton of talk in the past year or so about the quote-unquote audio boom, though this usually refers to the mad proliferation of ways to hear other people talk about stuff and in some cases to talk back to them about said stuff. However, there's also a lot more going on in the audio space, and there are many, many other ways tech thinkers and makers are harnessing the power of sound to change our lives. One really interesting area is healing, wellness, and health. And this goes way beyond um, you know, music as a workout soundtrack or uh, in memory care. In fact, today's episode explores one very specific, very important challenge many people face, one that our guest and her team have discovered can be impacted by sound. This is menstruation, the long taboo common experience that affects half of humanity. For many of us, hormonal cycles can lead to complicated reoccurring physical and emotional struggles. Historically, there have been very few tools available to us in these struggles. Pain and discomfort were written off as necessary evils. Though not everyone goes through this themselves, everybody on the face of the earth is impacted by it. Munai, a startup based in Barcelona, sprang from the premise that there's no need to endure period-related pain in silence and that sound and music specifically can help us. I'm speaking today with Munai co-founder and CEO, Laura June Clark, who will share with us her insights into audio's role into improving our ability to cope with these challenges and in- increase our well-being. So thank you so much, Laura June, for joining me today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. So I was curious if we could start out by just talking a little bit about Munai and your role in the company. Yes, absolutely. Um, so Munai is a mobile app. And it's a mobile app that uses science-based sounds who are personalized to help alleviate and manage period pain. Uh, It's based on the neuroscientific concept of brainwave synchronization, which I'm sure we'll probably get into it later on. And what we're doing is to be providing a new alternative, which is non-chemical, non-intrusive, affordable and accessible for all. For, as you mentioned, something who's just concerning more than 49.6% of the worldwide population has always been there, will always be there, and is totally underaddressed. Amazing. So how did you get started in this? I know you have a background in music tech and music. Mm-hmm. How, did yeah. that, how did that journey bring you to <laughs> Munai? And um, how has your past experience impacted how you've a- approached this problem? So uh, it was quite interesting. Uh, Munai came to be uh, because my co-founder and myself, we met through an incubator program based in Barcelona called Demium. Uh, And this happened uh, after the COVID period or just at the end of the big lockdown that happened in Spain, for those who remember. Uh, My background is linked to uh, mostly business. I did a master's degree in business engineering in Belgium. And after trying out in big corporates, which I wasn't particularly fond of, I started working with startups and more precisely in music tech uh, because it was a long time passion and because I was very committed to show to my friends and family that there were business and innovation in the music industry. Um, And more specifically, I really was interested in the cross synergies 
with other industries such as health, actually, or automotive or um, education. And so when I met Elena, uh, my co-founder, she is this amazing Napoleon fighting for making the world a better place for women's rights, women's health. She's been uh, taking part in a lot of social impact-driven companies in the femtech industry. And where we met, um, which started by a hackathon, actually, where we had 72 hours to build a startup, it was absolutely madness. Um, We knew that we were working pretty well together and we were very complimentary. However, starting to work on a startup, we wanted something where we would be always driven and always passionate about it because obviously you're not there for six months or a year. You need to think long term, five years or more. And so we kind of were looking for this sweet spot between music technology and then women's health. And quite naturally, it came to be, okay, what about menstrual health? It's something that it all concerned. And and Elena was facing that. And we were facing that. It was something who was occurring, who was impacting as well, our stay in the incubator and so on. And uh, then there was this back uh, memory about uh, music health and binaural beats. I'm sure a lot of people heard about that or isochronic tones. So we started looking into it and started to research how music has an impact on the brain, on the pain perception, whether it comes to distraction or is there really some other evidence to it. And basically from there, we just continued our journey and to building Munai. I love that you say it's not just about distraction, and I can't wait to unpack that a little bit more with you in a few (laughs) minutes here. But one other element I wanted to bring up when we're talking about Munai and the startup and how you guys are are, um, running and approaching um, the company you know, before our, before we started this more formal interview, we had a good chat. And um, one thing you really emphasized to me was that this isn't just a niche issue or problem. A lot of issues mm-hmm. that affect um, people who identify or maybe don't identify as women, people who are biologically female, however we want to think about mm-hmm. that. Um, it's, you know, it, it gets written off as like, oh, this is just like a little thing that is a small market. It's not important. Um, But it's really everyone's problem. Um, So how have you embraced that understanding in your company um, and in the product Mm -hmm. itself? I mean, I think it's it's all about as well how we were uh, proving, I would say, more in this business mindset, entrepreneurial mindset with with investors as well, how niche doesn't specifically mean small. And that's, I think, a bit the common mistake. Um, We're part of like, menstruation is part of women's health which is part of health uh, just as easy as it is and uh, people believe that it's something because it's under undress it's taboo stigmatized people put it on side and it's just normalized and when we started to do this research with users and people we were talking about we were quite shocked although we kind of knew obviously because we were experiencing that but quite shocked to realize that it is something that Half of the worldwide population is experimenting, yet the alternatives in 2021 for pain management are just so little. It's ridiculous, uh, which is, or you take some drugs who have long-term consequences. We're talking on an average of a woman who has 38 years of uh, menstruation. So three times uh, per cycle, three times a day, taking a pill, just your liver is just collapsing, of course, and other side effects. And it's very interesting for us to see now how people are reacting with the vaccine and the COVID because uh, we're bearing this risk all our life and nobody ever questioned that. 
um, the other solution are the birth controls pills, which is the same thing. Uh, or you have heat, and I dare you to go to work or school with your heating pads. That's very fun and very convenient. So there's really little, little initiative out there. And so for us, it was quite interesting to, to show that there was actually a need uh, because, I mean, the numbers were just there and the numbers talk uh, about there were more than 83% of women who were looking for a non-chemical, non-intrusive and accessible way to relieve it and more through it something more therapeutic and more digital therapeutic that's why music was one of the options and to show and again the size of the market so to speak and to, to talk in a very cold way um it's just that we we just did a simple calculation on how much does it cost how much does it cost per year for a woman to spend on menstrual pain management we're not even talking about costs such as unavoidable costs such as sanitary products and so on. We're talking about really the pain, the pills, um, the the transportation, the sick leave that you take at work because of that, which is on average nine per year, which is not reimbursable, which you, it's just something that we need to deal with. Um, and of course, not including other costs who really do have a lot of impact, which is mental health. So um, for us, it was this strategy was to show with numbers, with metrics, with uh, how this market is and how with this solution um, it would be something who would actually work and make sense. Um, so yeah, that, that was uh, mainly what we, we did and I, I think and I believe that's how we achieve our, our first fundraise. That's great. Um, thanks so much for uh, explaining how you reached uh, your conclusions and, and how you've imagined and sort of helped mm. convey the scope of the problem. All right, so we're gonna take a quick little break here and we'll be right back mm -hmm. to talk about specifically how um, sound can help impact our wellness. Who will you meet at Music Tectonics? Our annual conference is known for bringing people together from across the music tech landscape to share ideas and get business done. In 2021, we're bringing together a slate of speakers at the cutting edge of tech for recorded music, live music, and music making. You'll hear from Tracy Chan, head of music at Twitch, the live stream platform built for gamers, now home to many artists who stream live shows to their adoring fans. Mark Mulligan, managing director of Media Research and everyone's favorite music tech seismologist. Marisol Siegel, Head of Digital Partnerships at AEG Presents. Will Page, the former chief economist at Spotify and author of Tarzan Economics. Dina Lapolt, top music industry lawyer. David Pelham, royalties at Concord. And many more music tech movers and shakers. Get your ticket to join them at the online conference October 25th through 27th at musictectonics.com. That same ticket gets you access to in-person networking by the sea in the Los Angeles area on November 2nd. Do not miss this. Okay, we're back. And now we get into what is one of my favorite parts of these kind of conversations, which is talking about how sound can impact both our physical state, the state of our brains and bodies, and our perception of that state. So um, you've already mentioned, Laura June, a couple things, whether it's binaural beats or certain frequencies. Let's start with Let's start with frequency. I'm going to be like melody centric mm -hmm. here for a second or, or tone centric. How do certain frequencies impact your brain? Um, how 
do listening to certain sounds for a certain period of time affect your perception of pain or distress or discomfort? What did you guys discover? So that's a very, very interesting topic. And I really love talking about that. I think I should have my own podcast. (laughs) Um, So I'm just going to start by explaining how we came to discover or to learn or use some of the concept of how sounds and sound parameters would have an effect uh, on the human body or the human. Um, It started by, as I explained, we were into this research and and trying to understand does music actually really help because there's a whole debate going on about binaural beat does it work does it not work is it something psychological is it this is it more to it and there's a lot of reason why there's a debate behind it and there's always arguments both sides uh but we wanted to get more into it and more scientifically into it and not just use it as this marketing term and I think I mentioned that when we were talking earlier on, but we didn't want to be an app version of a sort of a hippie a festival or whatsoever, which is nothing wrong with, but we really wanted to focus on the scientific term behind it, evidence, and go more to its medical approach, maybe. So we did a lot of research, uh, spent hours digging into are there any clinical trials on that? Are there any academic paper on that? And we came across the paper and the work of uh, uh, Dr. Martin Saavedra, um, who actually made a study about does listening to music affect people suffering from dysmenorrhea, which is a scientific term for period pain. So there we had it. <laughs> I'm just plainly there. And it was a, a research that was conducted a year or two before us. So um, really perfect. And we read it, we read the conclusion, which came to be that it helped, of course. Um, but then we immediately reached out to him and we started talking with him and he gave us a lot of advice. And from there, really, what happened is we contacted, I think, most of the neuroscientifics, uh, neuroscientists, sorry, uh, some psychoacousticians, some pain perception experts uh, who are working from Oxford, but as well from Yale, Tel Aviv University. Uh, some people are working from University of Toronto. Like we really, I think, harassed most of the people <laughs> who had in their bio the word music and neuroscience. Yeah. There's not one person that we didn't talk to or were put in contact with, people writing books. And for Elena and I, it was quite important because we didn't want to just, as I said, appear of, oh, we're going to provide this solution and don't, we don't really care if there's actually evidence behind it. Uh, so we needed to work a lot on that and learn a lot about having all these crash course about how it works. But why is it not known? Why is it something that it's still kind of debate uh, debate about? Um, so talking and doing for the last six months, more than six months, actually, all this research, uh, it gave us uh, some pretty big idea. Obviously, I want to say that by now I have a PhD in neuroscience uh, and specifically on, on, on the music impact. But obviously, it's all so there's so much information out there. Uh, and hopefully with Munai, we are going to be able to collect these data with the, the app who's going to be used as a tool to really more precisely have this evidence base of uh, how some parameters affects or are going to impact um, some biometrics, which is uh, something we might get into on later. And to to answer your question, um, so yeah, there's different things who do have an impact. Uh, again, I'm putting the disclaimer of like, depending on the methodology used, some people have other vision, but 
what we work with and what we saw clientically proven by our experts and the people working with us is, for example, the frequency. So this different set of uh, range of frequency, um, which we can go from uh, this delta, uh, alpha, beta, and so on. And certain range of frequency, uh, basically, uh, they will have an impact on your brain for different purposes to induce sleep, uh, to induce relaxation, to increase productivity. Some can increase as well excitement, arousal, and so on, or anger. So different frequency, different purposes. Some can be sort of mixed. And how does it impact basically the brain? So I was mentioning earlier on binaural beats. And um, for the people who are not familiar with it, binaural beats, if I would put my own definition to it, um, would be how you're listening to a sound and then the frequency on your left and right ear are not the same. So you can have from one side 100 hertz and then the other the other side you will have 110. Your brain will not like that and naturally will create this difference of 10 hertz, this third illusion, auditive illusion, which is called the binaural beat. And that beat, according to the frequency range, is going to have so the different effects. So that's, for example, one of the things on which we're working on. There's other things as well who do have an impact uh, or who will highly influence the users, and especially when they are suffering and in pain. For example, another one I can tell is the BPM. Uh, the BPM, for sure, is going to influence because just as, as simple as it is, a BPM of 60 is the BPM of a relaxed or a heartbeat when, it, when the person is relaxed. So naturally, if you hear a BPM of 60, your breathing is going to try to follow up and you're going to naturally get to that level as well. So it does influence, it's just mimicking what you're hearing, you're being influenced. Um, and there's other parameters on which we're working. Obviously, uh, I don't want to <laughs> list them all now here because otherwise uh, we will be in trouble and my lawyer is going to be very angry oh, with me. No. But, <laughs> but other are about as well um, the presence or not of certain type of instruments, of special effects, of what about uh, vocals, lyrics. Um, there's about as well the scale. So... What we do right now, what we've been spending the last uh, months doing, and we're still working on it, um, is really going into details about, okay, what are the different parameters? What, how is it affecting how uh, the body, the, 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 the psychology of the user? Uh, is it giving a, a, what kind of emotion does it give as well? Because it's, what you need to understand as well, is like menstrual pain and why we're focusing on that is, of course, it can help people who suffer from migraine. If a man used the app for migraine, it will help as well. We focus on menstrual health because it's more than just pain. It's a gathering of more than 600 different symptoms who's affecting verticals of uh, linked to biology, psychology, and uh, social as well. So we are trying to put everything into it. That's why we're, as well the emotions are important and we are making sure to understand the emotion of the users before and after using Moonlight. So, uh, yeah, really, there's a lot of different parameters, and that's what we're trying to, to work on in terms of collecting and having these uh, metrics that we can finally show and, like, work with different clinics, university, because that's the main problem, the main problem of, like, why music is not used that much uh, in, in, in science or for other pain purposes and why 
um, quite slowly now, for example, other apps, my wellness app are using it as well, is because there, in the past there's been a lack of um, common or I would say homogenous methodology of collect of the data, of the evidences. It was never a question of it doesn't work. It's a question, yes, but this person used that method, that person used this one, so never on common ground. Um, so yeah, sorry, I talked no, a lot, but fantastic. yeah, maybe that was it. No, this is a good explanation. <laughs> so my next question was how you have these insights and I love that you're gathering more data. I think that's incredibly important. And now it's it basically we have biometric devices in everyone's pockets, right? Or mm -hmm. everyone was a smartphone exactly. or a, um, a smartwatch or whatever. Uh, so how you get so you got you uh, people are experiencing these sounds, you're gathering biometric data. Um, that's going to be very, very interesting to see how, you know, your approach to, to sound evolves. But for now, just, mm -hmm. you know, as you're starting out, how have you um, created sounds that are nice to listen to mm -hmm. for an extended period of time, um, you know, using these insights? So anyone <laughs> yeah. who's, who had like um, ever access to some of those crazy, like uh, past, you know, harmonize your brain hemisphere type tapes they're just tones mm. right they're not particularly fun mm. to listen to and exactly. uh, they can get pretty boring and tiresome pretty fast exactly. so how did you turn this into an actual experience that would be comforting and say not irritating to someone who's feeling uh premenstrual distress say <laughs> so i would say the first answer to that is uh i was very much fueled and powered by as you said like just getting bored of it and I'm obviously, uh, I knew that binaural beats and all this um, functional music, which is a term that I really like using because it is music for other purposes than entertainment and functional music seems to be a good term for that. So I'm a sole believer in functional music and I've been using it for years for when it comes to sleep, uh, relaxation, but mainly as well because I have ADHD and to help me highly focus, it's just the best. Um, but the problem is, as you mentioned, it's so boring. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, all you get into it, and so you really get um, focused and you're not thinking about it, but then you take off your headphone and you feel like you're just from another on another planet. But it's not very attractive. It's very hard as well when you're trying to explain to other people. So uh, with as well, my, my background or the network I have, which is, linked to uh, electronic music. So aside from uh, my uh, work uh, and career, I, I founded as well a music collective back in Paris uh, in electronic music. And I've been surrounded with people working as sound designer, as producer in that area. And for me, it just makes sense, especially when you discover the genre which is linked to ambient music or even drone. And you see that there's a sort of common... Um, idea behind it of like this really relaxing soundscape and it can be cool it can be trendy and that was really something I was thinking and uh when Elena and I we were working on one I was like okay cool we're going to do that and that's brilliant and we're going to provide all of this and we're going to package it for menstrual health for women and, and people who identify as women health and so on but I don't want it to be boring I, I want it Come on, like, can we have something a bit like edgy, a bit nice, a bit like having cool. a nice sonic aesthetic yeah, it's behind like having it? A, you know? I love the idea of having sort of a cool chill out lounge that's just for people going through this experience. And it makes it yeah. feel like 
almost like a treat. Like I'm going to take care of myself. This is going to be really great as opposed to like, I have to do this because otherwise my life sucks, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But especially it's like when we started to work out and figuring out, okay, so we are what we consider in the industry, femtech, female technology app, um, which uh, people use it. I just think that uh, health tech or, or tech could be sufficient, but it is what it is. Um, but all the apps out there, it was ridiculous how we were quite upset to see that everything with the word woman or, or, or female whatsoever, it's always pink. It's always kind of childish. <laughs> it's always uh, boring. And I, I was, Elena and I were getting quite upset about it. I was like, why is it always the case? Why, why does you know, why is it pink associated to us? Like, it's just sparkly, sparkly unicorn and, flower yeah, um, meadows, it, you know. God. <laughs> I mean, now we're having a lot of fun with that, but at the beginning, it was just Very like, frustrating. And actually, yeah. the first the first version of the of the approach that we were working on, it was just black. <laughs> it was just a massive middle finger. It was like, come oh on. wow! I think you just um, you just touched the hearts of like millions of um, rebellious <laughs> uh, teenage gals that wanted to. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, it's it, it was quite yeah. I mean, it, it's quite interesting. But yeah, just to go back to to, to your initial question, I'm sorry, oh, I'm always no like deviating. Yeah, how we came to like mix both. So obviously, it's still a work in progress because we're we're launching the app soon, uh, in the next two weeks, uh, and so end of September, by the way, uh, and it's going to build up and build up. We have a very clear roadmap in terms of the product itself, but as well in terms of the content itself, and we're surrounding ourselves uh, with, for us, the best the best people with who we could possibly work. So neuroscientists who do compose and uh, have been working all their life in the research of how music is impacting a uh, human on a cellular level. So that's uh, Dr. Libato, who he has been a big support since the very, very beginning. He has, uh, just Google him, you will find all his work, his TED talk about the subject. Um, so he's really uh, into, like, he has this expertise to understand, to analyze the spectrum, the sound parameters, understand how it impacts, uh, as I said, the body and so on. And then we're working with sound designers uh, who are award-winning people who um, have this deep, deep, deep knowledge in, in electronic music, have been working with the best, uh, are the best, have worked as well as uh, um uh, producing some other type of uh, music for other functional app music, uh, functional music app, sorry. Um, and then having an overview of like the ANR around it as well, the creation of which kind of aesthetic, sonic aesthetic you want to give, which I'm doing myself, but I'm doing as well, surrounded with all this uh, friends, family, network of people that I trust, that I, that I care about, the music producers and sound engineers, which who were working as well have a, a, their own DNA to give to it because what we, what we're looking into is really giving Munai its mission, which is making uh, making it better for women's health, but as well just uh, having this alternative, non-chemical, non-intrusive uh, uh, and so on. But uh, I would say a, a secondary way as well, something that is quite interesting for us is we could be a new distribution channel as well to highlight some new type of sound engineers or sound uh, music producer, ones who are doing functional music. And that can be as well in collaboration with other type of entities in the music industries. And this could have as well an impact on 
a software and hardware manufacturer because it's a new way to consume music, a new way to distribute music as well, or new purposes. So it's really, really interesting. And, and, and combining these two, this kind of, yeah, very purpose-oriented uh, uh, objective that we have, but to this kind of, well, okay, electronic music, uh, edgy, uh, something that we like, that we enjoy, uh, not too boring, uh, many areas to explore. Uh, that that's really like uh, I would say it came quite naturally, but it's I think the the in my opinion something who really drives me every day because it's it's two different things who who are super complementary, and I really hope that it's gonna increase and increase, and there's going to be so much more initiatives out there uh, to be to 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 start. That's great. I love that you um, that you're seeing how this functional music can be wedded to a really strong aesthetic, you know, and that's that's really important. We're mm. going to take a little bit of a break before we look at what's on the horizon and what may be coming up in the future. Uh, we'll be right back. The annual Music Tectonics Conference is known for bringing together people from across the music tech landscape to share ideas and get business done. In 2021, our unique conference approach invites a global audience to participate in parallel universes, in the metaverse, across the planet, and on a carousel by the sea. Mark your calendar for online events October 25th through October 27th, and in-person events outdoors by the sea in Los Angeles on November 2nd. We're maximizing what virtual events do best with two unique platforms. In the morning, we'll bring together dynamic and interactive panels of thought leaders plus our world-famous speed networking so you can share ideas and build relationships frictionlessly across time zones. In the afternoon, we'll add even more serendipity as we invite you to the metaverse. Join us for that feeling of togetherness as you move your avatar through the crowd at a musical instrument demo, drop into the virtual expo hall, or strike up a chance conversation. Don't just talk about innovation in music, experience it at a conference like no other, Music Tectonics. Learn more and get a special early bird ticket price starting June 1st at musictectonics.com. Okay, great. Now we are back with Laura June Clark of Moon Eye. And now we get to what's often a really fun part of our conversation with our guests here at Music Tectonics, and that is what we could call getting a little sci-fi. Um, so first off, let's 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 stay fairly anchored in um, the space we've been exploring. Uh, Laura June, what are some what are some frontiers in wellness um, that you are seeing? Where where are you most excited? Where do you see like on the near term kind of horizon the most interesting things happen, especially if they involve music tech? I would say definitely uh, biometrics is, uh, per personally, I cannot talk for now or my co-founder, but personally, biometrics for sure is quite interesting because it's kind of as well a very touchy subject because we all know that with GDPR, uh, users' data, we need to be careful and we need to inform the users as well of like the use of uh, the data, how uh, is it going to be processed, and who are the third parties who are going to be access, who are going to have access to it? Um, but having this captation, and as well, how do you capture these biometrics? Because that's as well another thing that's fascinating. Is it the bracelet? Is it the sensor on the smartphone? Is it visually as well? Well, sorry for. 
uh, AI, there's so many different ways. So that's already one area. But the way you capture it and how do you analyze it and for which purposes as well? How could it improve some aspect in health or wellness? Um, this for me is really exciting. It's really exciting. Sometimes a bit frightening. Uh, but I guess that with you know new emerging technology and so on, there's always this part of unknown who who remains a mystery and always a bit uh, a bit scary. Um, but that will be definitely one. And then I would say as well, um, well, definitely the rise of interest in consideration in mental 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 health um, due to COVID, of course. Uh, but just. You just need to go and talk to the older generation. And when I'm saying older, I'm just thinking about my, my parents and they would kill me if I use that word. But the older generation. <laughs> the, the, the more experienced, wiser generation. Mom where, and dad, it's, it's okay. <laughs> the most, the most ex- exactly. The most ex- experienced. Let's feel like that. Um, they, the mental health was not something that was talking about or, or treated or just... Uh, knowledge and we are getting to that point where now it's something that is um, normalized to talk about and there's a lot of options out there and I'm really excited about all this digital um, solution and alternative out there and as well in terms of connecting you with the right professionals Uh, there's so many 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 apps we came up lately about um, implementing uh, some voice and AI to help you to understand better, to feel supported, to feel guided, and as well kind of uh, deal with the the most, one of the most challenging aspects to it is that people don't want to talk about it. They feel stigmatized, they, they feel embarrassed, and having the implementation of an AI uh, to do so and to cope with that uh, obstacle is quite amazing. I'm very curious about the results, and I'm very curious to read about uh, how it improved um, some some patients, some people, and uh, I would say, yeah, that that's the two main one. And of course, I mean, we just talked about it for the last minutes, but uh, the the impact of uh, entertainment or audiovisuals, rather audiovisual stimuli, uh, how is impacting wellness as well? Because we see so many initiatives out there. We we are just one of them. Uh, we Munai is one of them who's focusing on on, on menstrual health and uh, being linked to music, and more specifically electronic music. Uh, but there's so many already initiatives happening uh, in in clinics and for elderly people as well to stimulate their mind. People suffering from dementia, uh, obviously the mental health um, for children as well who are unfortunately. Um, having cancer and they, they, they are they, this initiatives with entertainment or audiovisual uh, devices to help them to uh, alleviate a bit this really heavy weight and to as well uh, sparkle uh, memory for people who unfortunately have Alzheimer's. So there's so many initiatives going on in that sector as well and it's very, very pleasing if I link back to what I was saying at the beginning that music is more than entertainment. Music has another area of, uh, of impact and it's good and at the same time sad but it's good and exciting it's exciting to see that it's happening now and it's not just me because I'm working in that industry and I'm definitely looking for it and I'm you know having all my alerts everywhere it's something who's like more and more brought up and uh, not long ago actually last week Forbes uh, published this uh, article it's really interesting about how 
Amazon, uh, how Apple, how Google, uh, all these big companies are right now looking into it, into how music and wellness are associated, are starting to hire people really with an expertise behind it. So it's it's really yeah, promising. That's really yeah. Um, it is a very yeah, fertile field it. right now. And you know, it's there's two things that came to mind as you were mm. as you were describing this, Laura June. One is that music kind of eases the on ramp to seeking help and support in a place that, as you said, has been deeply stigmatized. And in some ways, the the solutions mm. were only once you were gravely ill or very you know really in a very difficult um, place. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was really nothing for people who were maybe just starting to feel a little anxious or a little depressed or dealing with some kind of emotional um, exactly. turmoil that they needed just a little bit of help to get through. Um, and I think tech can begin to offer mm-hmm. some of those like everyday little um, prompts and supports that have fallen away since we don't, you know, since our communities have changed so drastically. And uh, the other thing that came to mind is you know, tech is tech is in some ways taking us back to the future or, or, or uh, forwarding us to the past. I guess that's the opposite of that. But, you know, music did first serve a highly functional uh, role in human lives. So you would play music to uh, soothe someone. You would play music to get people to move together. You'd get music to do something, right? It was very rare that people just sit around and, I mean, people would tell stories and they would have music involved, but music was a very functional um, cultural expression. And um, yeah, we've lost that, Mm -hmm. right? We've lost the thing that I could sit down and this, my, my child and I could listen to this song together and we could, um, you know, unwind from the, from a, te- a hectic day together. Or if my child is sick, I could put on this, this kind of music and um, create an atmosphere that will help them feel less pain. I, you know, the, we're, in some ways, we're coming back to a bit of wisdom that we had forgotten in the inter- music is entertainment age, maybe the mm-hmm. you know, 19th, 20th centuries. Isn't it a bit like the story of humankind that we always need to go from one extreme and then finally, once we reach the extreme, we are like, okay, maybe let's and dialectic it down a bit. Here. Now, it, 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 it's, it's not surprising. And I'm, yeah, I think uh, COVID obviously was a dreadful episode of, I think, humankind, but some positive, positive uh, initiatives are coming out of it. And this is one, in my understanding, this fact of like focusing on mental health, on wellness and um, just the well-being of people and how can technology help with that. Um, so in my opinion, this is really, really exciting for the, the, the next years because that means that there's going to be more support. And as you mentioned, just preventive as well and not just acting once the harm is done, uh, Many of us have people who they lost due to uh, some disease because have been prevented, would have they been spotted earlier on. Many of us are suffering as well from mental illnesses who have been obstacle in their life. And this kind of tools and just as well normalize the use of these tools, having it available, having it accessible, not too expensive, having as well um, healthcare providers or government just integrating it in the, in the public politic. Uh, for example, in Belgium, in, uh, in, in, in the Netherlands, if I'm not mistaken, they are having this law about uh, digital therapeutics that it is reimbursed now by your uh, healthcare providers. 
And that's an amazing initiative because it's it's just like making it more accessible. It should be part of the educative system as well. It, there's so much room to improve, but I think that it's slowly getting there. Of course, I'm 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 someone who likes to go fast, so <laughs> I think it could go faster. But wonderful. Well, thank you so much, and and it's exciting to end on such a hopeful note. Thanks for your time and insights. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Music Tectonics. If you like what you hear, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We have new episodes for you every week. Did you know you can dig deeper into all our episodes with the show notes at musictectonics.com. While you're there, look for the latest about our annual conference, sign up for our newsletter to get updates, or get the Music Tectonics app for music tech news. Everything we do explores seismic shifts that shake up music and technology the way the Earth's tectonic plates cause quakes and make mountains. Connect with Music Tectonics on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And find me, Dimitri Vitsa, if you can spell it, on LinkedIn. Bye-bye. You're listening to Music Tectonics.